This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Today, my guest is attorney Jenny Eichenberger. This morning, we'll talk about workers' compensation. How soon do you need to tell an employer you were injured on the job? What are the benefits available if you're injured? Who pays for workers' compensation? If you have questions about workers' compensation law, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Support for NPR comes from the financial services firm of Raymond James, offering personalized wealth management advice and banking and capital markets expertise, along with a legacy of putting clients' financial well-being first. Learn more at RaymondJames.com. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Our expert, Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law is out today, but I have our guest, attorney Jenny Eichelberger. This morning, we'll talk about workers' compensation. How soon do you need to tell an employer you were injured on the job? What are the benefits available if you're injured? And who pays for workers' compensation? If you have a question about your rights or what workers' compensation law is, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. And I'm glad to welcome uh, Jenny Eichelberger. She represents clients in workers' compensation, civil rights, and criminal defense matters. She's been a judicial clerk for multiple Hines County Circuit Clerk judges, worked on the Hines County Public Defender's Office, and also has worked for the Southern Poverty Law Center's Jackson Office before she joined the Eichenberger Law Firm. Welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're so glad that you are here today. Uh, So straight up, what's workers' compensation? Workers' compensation um, is a system that is in place in every single state but differs from state to state. Um, When you work in the state of Mississippi and you're injured, there are certain rights and benefits that you're entitled to if you are injured on the job. Okay. So um, uh, so this is a state run, even though every state is required to have it. Yes, it is state run. Um, It's in administrative law. And so it's different. The laws differ in every state. Um, 
if you are a federal employee, there also um, is federal workers' compensation. Okay. All right. So uh, workers' compensation, I guess that means workers. Who Who's covered? Um, any workers, any employees in the state of Mississippi. So um, it would apply if you're an employee of whoever you work for. Um, there, there are certain people that are known as independent contractors, and depending on the relation between the worker and who they work for, they may or may not be covered under those laws. But as long as you're an, an actual employee in the state of Mississippi and your employer has more than five employees, then you should be covered under the workers' compensation laws. So uh, I guess there are so many different rules for people who are self-employed. Uh, would Do you know, would they have to... Would that they have to pay their own Social Security taxes? Would they? I, I guess if you're self-employed, yeah, you're you're not a a worker. I guess it would just be your regular insurance. It, it, yes, in that case, I mean, if you work for yourself, like I do, and I got <laughs> injured at work, there would not be workers' compensation right. to cover my injuries. Right. Okay. So, what is covered? Is it only if you're welding and you have a welding accident, or you're an electrician and get electrically shocked? No, it's just so that you are in the course and scope of your duties. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be um, on the job and walking to the restroom and slip and fall, and that Mm -hmm. would be covered because you are on the clock. You you are at work. Um, As long as you're at work and acting in the course and scope of um, your duties, then you're going to be covered under our workers' compensation laws. Okay. And so uh, when does coverage for a worker begin? It begins immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, the burden is going to be on the worker to make sure you report your injury. Um, your employer's not going to know you're hurt if you don't tell them you're hurt, right. unless it's something, obviously, right. that someone were to see. Um, and so the most important thing is if you're injured on the job, immediately tell your immediate supervisor or, or whoever it is that you would report to. Um, and once you do that, then the burden shifts to the employer as they actually have a duty to report each and every injury that happens in the workplace. They have to file what's called a first report of injury, and it gets filed with the Mississippi Workers' Compensation Commission. Um, And that sort of puts everyone on notice, including their insurance carrier, that there there has been an injury on the workplace. So if uh, you're at work and you fall and trip and hurt your ankle, but you don't think it's anything, is there, I mean, if you don't report it exactly, like within the hour that it happens, is there a, a longer amount of time? There is a little bit of leeway. I mean, obviously, sometimes someone could be picking up a box or, like you said, tripped, tweaked their ankle, thought everything was fine, and then realized later that it wasn't. Um, what we see most commonly, I think, is someone's lifting a box or something like that. They think they're going to be fine. They get home. Their back gets worse, stiffens up. They have to go to the emergency room that night. And at that point, they realize they've really been injured. At that point, once you realize it, report it the next morning. Um, if you have um, a 24-hour line, you can call and report injuries. Go ahead and do that just as soon as you realize it's an injury. Obviously, if it's months and months or weeks and weeks, it's going to be a little bit harder for it to be covered. So the sooner you report it, the better your chances are of having all your benefits paid. All right. Well, that that is good to know. So um, what... Uh, but of course, you want to make sure uh, that if the, it's a true injury, I guess there are 
what's the legal word for shenanigans? <laughs> you want to make sure it's a legitimate injury. Yes. You you don't want to be faking, I guess, for no, right. uh, no other terminology. But if... If you suffer what you think could be an injury, it's better to err on the side of caution and go ahead and report it. Um, your employer will usually send you initially to a physician to be checked out, whether it's the hospital, whether it's an MEA clinic or something like that. Um, and if nothing's wrong, if it's just a sprain or a tweak, the doctor will tell you that. And um, the point in workers' compensation is to be able to get the worker back to the workplace mm-hmm. as quick as possible right. to rehabilitate them so they can continue to work and um, earn a living um, and support their family. Right, right. Okay. So what, uh, suppose someone does get injured and it's determined, uh, you know, they were injured on the job. Uh, what are the benefits that are available? So there's several different types of benefits available. The first is to have the medical treatment paid for. Um, the each injured worker is entitled to a choice of physician. Um, you are in, entitled to pick your own doctor. You don't get two. You don't get two choices in workers' comp. You don't get a second opinion necessarily. So, but you do have the right to pick your own doctor, and the medical benefits will be paid. Anything reasonably related to the work injury should be covered under workers' compensation mileage. To every medical provider is also reimbursed to the injured worker. Any time that the injured worker is deemed unable to work by a physician, um, then you're going to be entitled to temporary disability benefits, which are two-thirds of the average weekly wage up to a maximum, which is set by statute. This year, it changes every year. This year, it's $477.82. So that's the most an injured worker can get per week, regardless uh, of their income. But it's two-thirds up to that of what's calculate as their average weekly wage. Okay, so first we've learned uh, it, it's it's workers' compensation for employees, so mm-hmm. determine if you're employee or not. And I know here at MPB, we do distinguish a lot if someone is a uh, uh, contract employee or an independent contractor or an employee. So you need to make sure that that was completely clear on everyone's. And then I guess... Uh, keeping notes and records for uh, medical treat, you know, uh, if an in, if an incident happens and, you know, seeking treatment. It's always good to keep records and make sure that way you can explain yourself if questions are asked later. You can remember who you saw, what you saw them for, um, and um, what, what injuries you reported to the doctor. Okay. Well, uh, we would, uh, listeners, do you know what the deductible is? for a workers' comp injury. When we come back from the break, we would love to take your phone calls. Uh, We'd also love for you to get our email. Sometimes it's easier to send an email. And if you could send that to legalterms at mpbonline.org, we'd be able to get our guest, uh, attorney Jenny Eichenberger, who can answer your questions for you. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Go to mpbonline.org slash inlegalterms, and then you can click on the purple button that says subscribe. You'll be able to hear all our past shows, and you'll be able to get our new shows as there's put online. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm here with our guest today, Jenny Eichelberger. This morning, we're talking about workers' compensation. Uh, you can give us a call if you have a question about workers' compensation law. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And so already we've talked about um, who's covered, uh, its employees, when does the coverage begin immediately, and uh, if you are injured, immediately notify your employer. And we talked a little bit about the benefits. Well, Jenny, I'm sure this is a horrible thing, but what happens if an employee dies? If an employee dies, there are death benefits that's mm-hmm. going to be eligible um, to that person's spouse, to the dependents, um, up to 450 weeks. Um, 450 weeks is the term that is defined as a permanent and total injury to an individual. So that's the most compensation anyone can get. Um, so depending on how many dependents there are, if there's a spouse, there's going to be a certain portion of um, that person's average weekly wage that will be able to be paid out. There's also a funeral benefit attached to it of $5,000. So funeral costs up to $5,000 can be reimbursed. And there's an immediate lump sum payment of $1,000 to the spouse if there is a spouse. And that is, I guess there's a, de- you know, a determination if the accident that happened at work caused the death. Exactly. And um, some of the questionable things that you see sometimes are if an individual has a heart attack at work, mm-hmm. you know, because that could be construed as being work-related or non-work-related. really depends on the environment of the individual. But if a person were to fall from um, a very tall height, we see that sometimes. Individuals fall from cell towers, sad, just tragic things like that. But that obviously is immediately um, as a result of the work injury. So the same the same um, criteria is going to apply. It has to be related to the work. But as long as it's related to the work, then there are death benefits um, available for a spouse and any dependents. And I guess that's the whole function of insurance. That's then the owner of the company doesn't pay. That's what the insurance company and why you have the insurance, right? Exactly. And um, all like we talked about, all employers that have more than five employees are required to have it. And it really is a protection to both the employer and the employee. If someone's injured at work, there's um, insurance immediately available and they don't have to pay anything out of pocket for that medical care. Um, And it's also a protection for the employer because they don't have to worry about being sued for whatever the injury may be. Well, we're talking about workers' compensation law today, and we have a call from Biloxi. Wade, welcome to our show, Wade. Uh, thank you. Sorry, taking my call. 
Well, what's uh, your question today for our attorney? Uh, okay, if if someone let's say working for a corporation and they have uh, health insurance, like group health insurance, and they get injured on the job, and does one take precedence over the other? Good question, Wade. Um, in that situation, the workers' comp insurance is what is going to pay. Anytime it's work-related, that's when workers' comp is going to come into play. And group health insurance is actually going to ask if it's work-related or not, because if it's work-related, that um, a lot of times they will not cover because there is workers' comp coverage available. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for calling in today, Wade. We have our next call is calling from Jackson. Sam, you also have a workers' compensation question. What, what's your question, Sam? Uh, well, my question is, do they still have on, uh, well, I've been delayed for some years now, but do they still have on, on applications, have you ever received workman compensation? Because that's one of the reasons why I ended up going to uh, disability, because I had uh, got hurt on the job, and I do just a little workman compensation, I got better, tried to go back to work and stuff, you know, I had lost my job. And then when you apply for a new job, it'll ask on it, have you ever seen uh, workman compensation? And if you check yes on there, and the chances are they ain't going to have you. They're going to pick up something wrong with you or something like that. You can be completely recovered. So I'm just wondering, do they still have that discriminatory questions on applications and stuff? Because that's knocking a lot of people that, that want to go to work out of jobs and stuff, and it'll force them to do nothing but apply for a disability. I understand your concern, and I think of the question in regards to the applications obviously is going to vary from employer to employer. There isn't a set employment application. So I I do believe that um, there are some employers out there that still ask either if you've ever received workers' compensation, have you ever been injured on the job, do you have any restrictions? Um, and that is definitely a real issue to individuals trying to, um, to gain employment if they have a past being injured on the job. Part of workers' compensation is when you are released and placed at maximum medical improvement from your doctor, the doctor will assess whether you have any kind of permanent impairment or permanent restrictions. Um, That is what people talk about when they talk about a settlement of workers' compensation benefits. And um, the legal terms that they look at in evaluating the value of a settlement is going to be loss of industrial use of a limb or loss of wage earning capacity. Um, And those are supposed to those terms are supposed to factor in um, how this injury is going to affect um, you in the future as far as employment goes. Well, Sam, you've just given us an idea for a new show. We'll uh, ask what are the legal questions that employers can ask on applications. So thank you so much for calling in today, Sam. We appreciate all our calls. And if you have a call, uh, we'd love for you to ask our guest here, uh, Ginny Eichelberger, about workers' compensation laws. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So uh, if someone does get hurt at, on the job, do they have to go to a doctor that the employer suggests? Can they go to their own regular physician? Um, 
after you're injured at work, you have the right to pick your own physician. It's called a choice of physician. Um, frequently, an employer is going to um, have the individual sign a choice of physician form, and that form um, has a space that the individual can write down who they would like to pick for their doctor. Sometimes um, an employer will immediately send the worker to a local clinic like an MEA or a Baptist clinic, and they have the right to do that. And just because you go there doesn't mean you don't have the right to pick your own doctor. However, once you sign that choice of physician form, that is going to be considered to be your choice of physician. Um, Frequently, um, the employers do send the individual um, to a clinic or the hospital initially to have them evaluated and also to have a drug test. Employers are permitted to um, do a drug screening of all employees after any injury happened. Um, so it is not uncommon to go to a specific clinic, but then be able to select your own doctor. Okay. And just for our statewide listeners, when we've mentioned MEA, that's the name of a local Jackson area walk-up clinic association, which uh, there will probably be other equivalents Mm -hmm. in in your area. So uh, usually when you go to uh, a physician, you have to pay a deductible to, to get in. Does the worker have to pay for that? No, the worker does not have to pay a dime as far as workers' comp goes. Um, The workers' compensation carrier, the insurance company, is going to cover the full cost of the medical treatment. There should not be deductibles or co-pays, co-insurance, anything that you would see with just traditional um, group medical. All right. We'd love to take your questions about workers' compensation law. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Here's your chance. We have a workers' compensation attorney who can answer your questions. Our guest is Jenny Eichelberger. Now, if you have, you're injured on the job and then you go and seek medical treatment and it is covered under workers' compensation, how are the, how are the payments made? The payments to the medical providers are made directly from the insurance carrier. So the insurance carrier will um, um, be asked to authorize appointments ahead of time by the doctor's offices usually, or the doctor's offices will fill out um, the proper paperwork that needs to go and send it straight there. Okay. Does the Workers' Compensation Commission have anything to do with this, or are they an oversight? So, yes, in a way, they are an oversight. There is a fee schedule that is um, set out, which defines a bunch of different treatments, different procedures that your medical provider um, may perform and what um, they can charge for um, that procedure. And so they define that. And if a provider is going to provide you care um, under workers' compensation, they basically have to agree to accept whatever payment that is. They cannot balance bill you, as you hear a lot of times. So if you um, are um, undergoing treatment, workers' comp pays their bill, and then you get a bill, that is not permissible. Um, So you need to bring that to someone's attention. That's when it's a good idea probably to have an attorney that can handle that for you. Okay. So uh, if you were to get hurt on the job, you have been receiving medical treatments, what happens if you can't work, if you can't you don't get can't get paid at your job because you're missing your work. 
Yeah, so if the doctor takes you off work and you're unable to work or the doctor places you under certain restrictions and due to those restrictions, you cannot perform your job and your employer doesn't have a different accommodation for a job that you can do, that's when you are entitled to temporary disability benefits. Um, And what those are, that's going to be two thirds of your average weekly wage up to the maximum under the statute. And you will get those up until you're at maximum medical improvement or can return to work. All right. Well, we're so glad that uh, you're calling in with your questions. Now we have a call from Macomb, James. James, welcome to our show. What's your question? Thank you. Uh, My question is, uh, when they had tort reform some years ago in regards to workman's comp, what were some of the major issues that they changed uh, for workman's comp? I was told that, you know, the burden of proof used to be on the company, but now it's on the worker. Is that true? I just hang up. And I, and I think you're referring to several years ago um, when they did amend some of the workers' compensation laws. Um, one of the things um, that changed is if um, when the drug test is taken, if it comes back positive, that now there is a presumption that is it is not a covered injury when before the employer actually still had to prove they were intoxicated. Now the presumption is that the individual is intoxicated. That's what caused the injury. Um, they um, also changed some of the choice of physician standards. It used to be um, a lot easier to pick your own pick your own doctor. Now, if you treat with a doctor for six months, that doctor is going to be presumed to be um, your physician. And also, if um, if you have surgery from that doctor, they're going to be presumed to be um, your choice. So uh, the changes in the law um, did alter our workers' compensation law just a little bit. It also, um, prior to the changes, if it was basically a tie, if you couldn't figure out if if it was related or not related, the benefit of the doubt would go to um, the employee, and that is is not in effect anymore. So it did change, I guess, the burden of proof just a little bit, um, but... um, the the bigger impact I think was is with the choice of physician and then also the intoxication. All right, thank you for answering that for us. So um, back to uh, if you have lost wages, is that a fixed number? Or does that depend on your um, what your salary, how much you you usually earn? So um, workers' compensation is a little bit different as far as the lost wages go. When you're off, you're going to be entitled to those benefits. And if you're looking at major, um, maybe future projected lost wages, that's when they're going to look at um, um, permanent disability benefits. And and they're actually not looking at lost wages. Um, Instead, it's a loss of wage earning capacity if you have an injury to your body as a whole, which is traditionally going to be a neck, a back, a, a head injury. Um, then you can get up to 450 weeks of those benefits, um, depending on what your average weekly wage is. But that's the maximum an individual can get. And you know, they're not going to look at lost wages for the rest of your life. It's roughly nine and a half years that you'd be entitled to. All right. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk more about workers' compensation. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law is out today. My guest is Jeannie Eichenberger of the Eichenberger Law Firm in Jackson. This morning we're talking about workers' compensation. If you have a question about workers' comp law, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four, and now we've got a call from Meridian. Ralph is called with a question. Welcome to our show, Ralph. Thank you. My question is that earlier she had stated that if an employer had five employees, that they must carry workers' compensation. What if a work if an employer has five part-time employees? Does that still apply? It does still apply. Um, it doesn't have your employees don't have to be forty hour a week employees. Um, just if you if there are five employees at that time, there might be companies that just have a need for part time. But it, but the law is pretty specific. It just says five employees or more. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling in with that question, Ralph. We also have a call today from Natchez. Bobby, welcome to In Legal Terms. What's your question? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I was wondering, when you get hurt on a workman's comp thing and the doctor releases you to come back to work, uh, does the boss, do they have to hire you back or can they just write you off? So Mississippi is an at-will employment state, meaning unless you're in a protected class, your employer can technically lay you off or fire you for any reason. Um, obviously, there's some protected classes um, that do apply there. Um, however, once your doctor releases you, um, if you're released full duty, a lot of times your employers will take you back. Um, there's always the concern that possibly you may be more prone to be injured again. So I think some employers do have that concern. And sometimes when the individual is released, they are released with restrictions. And if that's the case, then the employer will evaluate whether they have a job um, that the individual can do with those restrictions. Bobby, did that answer your question? Yes, ma'am, it did. All right. Thank you so much for calling in today. So uh, walk us through if someone was filing a workers' comp claim. So if someone wants to file a workers' comp claim, there's certain procedures um, that that are involved. So the Mississippi, um, so it gets filed at the Mississippi Workers' Compensation Commission, um, which is located in Jackson. A petition to controvert is technically what's going to be filed um, if you're going to be filing a claim. Automatically, when you're hurt, the commission is going to have a record of that claim. But a petition to controvert is when you're controverting that claim. So bringing something up that you need to get one of the administrative law judges involved in. So traditionally, if an individual, an injured, in, um, an injured individual hires an attorney, what the attorney is going to do is file a petition to controvert with the commission. Um, that petition 
will be sent to um, the insurance company on record with the commission, and they will have a certain amount of time to respond. It's 23 days to respond. When they respond, it will be one of two things. They're either going to admit there was a work injury, and they'll be paying the benefits, or they are denying the, the injury. They're controverting the claim. They are saying, no, we don't agree for one reason or another that this um, this claim should be compensable. Um, and if that is the case, then um, the attorney is going to start gathering necessary evidence um, to be able to proceed to a hearing um, to bring all the evidence before the judge, medical evidence, testimony of the injured worker, if there are any witnesses, to try um, to prove that there was a work injury that should be covered. Um, and then a what's called a compensability hearing would be set after a 120-day discovery period. So it's filed. You have 120 days for the parties to um, ask questions to each other, do any depositions, gather the medical evidence, and then a compensability hearing could be set where the judge will um, hear all of the testimony um, review any medical records that exist and make a determination as to whether it's compensable or not. If the claim is admitted, then the individual will um, receive any benefits they're entitled to um, during that time if they're unable to work. Um, they will have their medical treatment paid for and Basically, the claim will continue until the person is released from a doctor, um, from doctor's care, and the doctor assesses whether there's any kind of um, permanent impairment or permanent restrictions. All right. Well, we have another call. We're so glad that people are calling in this morning. Our workers' comp question line is one eight seven seven. 672-7464 if you have a question about the law concerning workers' compensation. And next we're going to West Point, and Fred has called in. Thanks for calling in today, Fred. What's your question? Yes, good morning. Uh, thank you all for taking my call, and I'd like to say uh, MPB is my favorite station. I have a question uh, in reference to I had an insurance policy. I got hurt on my job. Uh, workman's comp did pay, but I had an accident insurance policy, and they refused to pay anything. Is it legal for them not to pay me because I got that little supplemental policy that they take from my check every week in case of an accident, and it was clearly an accident? Uh, are they supposed to pay me, too? Traditionally, those accident policies or short-term disability, long-term disability policies, um, there are a lot of workers that have those, that they are deducted from their checks, just like yours was. Um, but traditionally, those policies do have a provision in there that if it's a work injury, then it will not cover that. And the reason is, is that that worker is getting benefits under workers' comp. Oh, my. Well, I guess that does answer it. So uh, no, no, no double dipping, not... Uh... You can't have insur you can't have two insurances covering the same thing. Exactly. And we get similar questions sometimes. Can I get unemployment and workers comp? Because the workers comp benefits are less than the um than the workers used to getting. And the answer to that likewise is no. Because if you're unable to work, then you wouldn't be eligible for unemployment anyway. All right. Thank you, Fred. We're glad that you called in. So um 
you know, I, I guess sometimes I live in my happy little Pollyanna world and someone gets injured at work and they tell their employer that and everything works fine. But I guess if if everything worked that way, we wouldn't need workers' compensation attorneys. So uh, when might a worker, what could be going wrong that they would suspect, oh, wait a second, this is when I need, I, I need to bring uh, an attorney in on my side? Right. You don't want to wait too late for that to happen because like every legal proceeding, there is a waiting period at the beginning. Like we talked about, once the petition's filed, there's 23 days before the employer and the carrier have to respond. That can be extended. So if you aren't getting any benefits, that's sort of lengthening that period that you aren't getting benefits. But some some red flags may be if, um, if the medical treatment that you need is not being approved quickly, um, if the carrier says they they are investigating the claim and not willingly p- paying that, if you're not receiving disability benefits. Now, with disability benefits, there is a waiting period. There's a five-day waiting period. So for the first five days, you're not going to receive the workers' comp for that. Once you've been off five days, then your benefits will start. So there is the little delay there. Um, but really, anytime benefits aren't being paid or medical treatment is not being approved, I mean, that's a major red flag, and you probably need to try to find an attorney. Because what the attorney can do is gather the necessary information, file the petition to controvert, and then any issues that um, are not being approved, any benefits that aren't being paid that should be, then the attorney can file a motion to compel those benefits or that medical treatment with one of the judges um, who's been assigned the case at the Workers' Compensation Commission. And then that judge um, has the ability to order an employer or carrier um, to either pay the benefits or to approve the treatment. So what are the factors that could be uh, questionable? Uh, I guess if an injury actually happened? That that very well is one of the things that's questionable. Um, in the cases I represent injured workers, and in some of the cases I've had that are denied claims, um, they're going to deny that the injury ever happened. Um, sometimes that can come about if there are no witnesses or anything along those lines. Um, then it is, it does happen that employers deny it happened. Um, um, there can also be the denial that all of the issues, all of the injuries that the individual has are related um, to the injury. There can be an issue if the individual has a pre-existing condition, has had a prior back injury or something before a prior surgery, and, and now they've injured their back again. Um, and employer and carrier could deny that all of the issues are related to this injury and say it's related to the pre-existing um, Another thing with medical treatment, some physicians will request to have a procedure approved and um, the employer and carrier don't think that that is medically necessary as it relates to the injury. So that treatment can be denied. Um, uh, some um, some procedures, more surgical procedures, um, can go through the what's called pre-certification process when the carrier will send the request for that procedure to medical providers that do pre-certification and they find it's not medically necessary. So then you have one person saying it is, one person saying it's not. So you may have to um, go to a judge for that. And then also under workers' compensation, the employer and carrier have the right to have what's called an employer's medical examination. Essentially, it's a second opinion on, on the part of the employer or carrier 
usually you will see that if an individual is treating with a doctor for a very long time and their treatment's not progressing forward, or if a surgery is recommended and the employer and carrier want to have a second opinion before they pay for that surgery. All right. We're going to take one more call before we go to our break. Uh, from Louisville, Kathy, thank you for calling in from our for our show. I hope we'll have uh, our expert will be able to answer your question. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Several years ago, I had a terrible experience with workman's comp. I drive every day, and I work for the government, and uh, someone hit me. So I was in the MVA, which was not my fault. And from the start, not in my local area, but the people I talked with treated me like a criminal because I was in the MVA and I had put workman's comp down. And also, as soon as I went to the doctor, they said, oh, this is not going to be, this charge you, this is going to be workman's comp. So, okay, then you have, I have insurance. Uh, This was going to be filed under workman's comp. But then I also have the other person's vehicle insurance, and they all fought over who was going to not pay. And finally, with the amount of money I was going to get for workman's comp, was nowhere near what my salary was. So I ended up taking vacation days for my days off. And uh, hopefully all the bills were paid. I'm not sure they all were ever even paid. I think the uh, person's vehicle insurance finally did pay most of them but it was just a big mess so my advice to anyone and also this was federal workman's comp but my advice to anyone who sees that they may have to use workman's comp get you a lawyer and my (laughs) question is if you had to hire a lawyer would workman's comp pay for any of that well first of all i'm sorry you had such a horrible experience um it, it's it's not it doesn't go smooth for everyone. So I'm sorry you had that experience. Um, and the question as far as does workers comp pay for your lawyer? No, they do not pay for your lawyer. And it's different. Federal workers comp is different than state workers comp. But in Mississippi, um, attorneys fees are also def- defined by our workers comp statute. Attorneys um, can get 25 percent of whatever recovery. So it's a contingency fee. So if at the end of the day there is no settlement then your attorney is not going to get anything. So it is a risk that the attorney is taking by um, taking on the representation. However, if the individual does receive a settlement from the insurance company, then um, the attorney is going to get 25% of that. Um, It's a little bit different than if you were just in a motor vehicle accident not related to workers' comp. You can see different percentages depending on different attorneys that you go to. Now, you do bring up a good point about the motor vehicle accident. Um, That is sort of a wrinkle in workers' comp. While workers' comp should still pay all of your medical treatment because it is a work injury. You're driving for work. You were hurt. um, And so workers' comp should still pay all your benefits. You should still get all the disability benefits. They should still pay all all of your medical. However, there is a third party. It's called a third party case. Um, And in this case, it sounds like that third party was responsible for the injury. And so in that case, um, what would happen is you have a separate lawsuit against the driver of that vehicle or a claim against the insurance um, that that driver had. Um, And so the way that works is your workers' comp carrier will have to pay all their benefits. But then at the end of the day, they will have a lien against any settlement you would get with that third party. 
because well, it is someone's actual fault. Um, so you, in that case, um, in an injured worker could recover in two instances, could have a settlement from their workers' comp case, and could have just a regular personal injury settlement on the car accident. Well, I forgot to mention that the person that hit me and caused the accident was the wife of someone I knew, and so I didn't want to go after them, so I didn't. That's very understandable. That sounds like some bad luck there. Anyway, you know, I just I just think everyone should be advised to get a lawyer. And I did not realize that, you know, the lawyer would probably take the case for uh, a percentage. I didn't realize that. So that's good to know. Well, Kathy, we're glad we were able to give you some information you didn't know. And uh, we're going to take our last break. So if you have a story, if you want to, to uh, tell how workers' compensation helped you, or if you have uh, words to the wise to uh, forewarn other workers, give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 7464. We're taking your questions about our workers' compensation laws here in Mississippi. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as is all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here, and today our guest is attorney Jenny Eichelberger. So we were you mentioned about a settlement from a uh, uh, insurance company. So I'm thinking it, in my head, you know, if you you're injured, you get hurt. Uh, workers, at, you're injured at work. Uh, and workers' compensation pays your medical bills, what is what would a settlement be settling? So a settlement is going to be looking at what the impact of this injury is to your ability to work, um, to earn wages in the future. And there are two kinds of settlements in workers' comp. Um, you're going to have an injury to your body as a whole or injury to a scheduled member and they are they're completely different injury to the body as a whole is going to be an injury to a body part not covered by the schedule that workers comp has it's traditionally going to be a neck injury a back injury more body parts are different amount than other body parts yes it's a little crazy so you have a schedule that defines our law actually says how many weeks each body part is worth oh my so 
For example, if you had an arm injury, which includes the shoulder. So if you have an injury and you cannot use your arm at all to do work, it's amputated, something just really, really devastating, then you would be entitled to 200 weeks of those workers' comp benefits. Now, traditionally, it's not going to be a 100% they call it loss of industrial use to mm-hmm. that body part. It'd be more like a 5 or a 10%. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if an individual has a rotator cuff injury, a lot of times we'll see that and has to have surgery. Um, frequently, we'll see about 10% impairment rating to that shoulder. So a 10% impairment rating would mean 10% of that 200 weeks. So that individual would be automatically under the law entitled to 20 um to 20 weeks of workers' comp benefits. Now, the settlement's not necessarily over there. Um, The settlement also is going to factor in any restrictions that that individual has. And so those restrictions and that impairment rating are compiled to determine what the person's loss of industrial use to that body part is. That's the terminology that's used. So really, it's going to be the impact um, on the person's ability to perform Um, most of their job. And that's what that percentage um, is used to determine. And then then the body as a whole injury, they're not looking at the percentage. The um, impairment rating isn't as important there. Those permanent restrictions are what's important. So if an individual has a back injury and has substantial lifting restrictions, sitting, squatting, climbing ability restrictions, um, then we're going to look at how that... um, affects their ability to earn wages at all by looking at their job description, what their education, training, experience is um, to do that. Um, and it's, and you know, this is a, a little funny. People, people will say, um, but I'm in so much pain. Right. It hurts so bad. Pain and suffering does not count at all in workers' comp. You get zero compensation for that. So really, the only thing that matters is going to be um, the impairment rating and restrictions. Oh, my. All right. Well, we have, we're going to take our last call for the show, and it goes to Memphis and Michael. Michael, thank you for listening to MPB. How can we answer your question? I enjoy your program and your radio station immensely. I just want to get that out of the way. But I, I do want to say I'm a, I'm a contractor, and I pay workers' comp and general liability, and I go to businesses and to homes, and a lot of times they'll end up hiring a contractor that has no general liability or workers' comp. And I was wondering if you could speak to the the issue of what the homeowner or the business may be opening themselves up to by not hiring somebody that has coverage. Traditionally, we see issues like what you've raised when you have general contractors and subcontractors, and there there is some issue with liability there. Any subcontractors are usually required, or, well, contractors usually ask for their subcontractor to give them a certificate that they do have workers' compensation coverage, because if they do not, then that general contractor can open themselves up to liability as far as that goes. Well, Michael, we hope that we answered your question a bit. We thank you, Miss Eichelberger, for coming onto our show. That is wrapping us up for today's In Legal Terms. To hear today's show or a previous show, please visit mpbonline.org slash terms, or you can download our MPB media app and listen on your smart device or on demand. 
Our call screener today was Java Chapman, and our board engineer was Michelle McAdoo. I'm our producer, Liz Gill. Thanks for listening. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively Speaking. Join us next week, Tuesday at 10 a.m. with Professor Richard Gershon for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.